0: All right, welcome back uh, today. This is your uh, host Jim Oliver, and today I am uh, excited to have Mike Conlan. Mike is a multi-millionaire real estate investor, successful entrepreneur, Amazon best-selling author, motivational speaker, and probably the most important is philanthropist is Welcome Mike. Thanks for coming on. So, Mike, when you say financial services, you know, that's one of the things that what I call the noise out there in the world. Everybody's told, hey, your 401k is your greatest asset, you know, buy and hold, dollar cost averaging, stay the course, all of these things about Wall Street. Tell me why that wasn't the right path for you or tell me what you discovered after doing that for a while.
1: Well, you know, I was in the business for over 10 years. Um, started out as a rep myself, ended up owning a broker dealer that we had 500 financial planners across the country, sold that to a large insurance company. And then I bought a financial planning practice in the late 90s, owned it for a couple years. And what I saw is that it's better than doing nothing, you know, buy and hold. And and obviously you should invest in your 401k, especially if they match because it's free money, but you're never going to get wealthy. You're just going to be sort of status quo. You're going to have a decent retirement, um, sort of, you know, probably a little less than you lived prior to retirement, but it's always going to be somewhat tight. And my feeling, I don't trust the market. You know, I, I've, I was in the business for a long time, and I haven't had any money in the stock market in at least 12, 13 years. So I awesome. just don't believe in it.
0: Yeah, you know, and, and we don't either. I mean, it's, it's uh, I've never seen somebody really get, amazingly wealthy in the stock market. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't get lucky and be, you know, they were in a startup company and they became a billionaire because the company, um, you know, grew like crazy or something like that. But, but somebody just going and investing in mutual funds or investing in um, uh, a 401k or an IRA, you know, uh, you know, you're from Wisconsin. I mean, these farmers, they, I mean, if you're, if you're a farmer, you can't, you don't normally farmers, I mean, some big farmers have qualified plans, but most farmers, I mean, they're supposed to do it with IRAs. I mean, I mean, how is somebody supposed to save for their future with IRA limitations, but you know, something that you said earlier about real estate and taxes, I think taxes are so important. And I always ask people, are taxes going up or going down?
1: No, they have to go up at some stage. They're just too low.
0: They have to, right? Yep. And, and, you know, a really interesting story is that back in 1943, our, t- our top tax bracket was um, 94%. And there was a famous actor that uh, um, was in California, later became governor and then president, Ronald Reagan, right? Yep. Is, he only made two pictures a year because the threshold to pay 94% was 200 grand. He was paid $100,000 per picture. And so if he made more than two pictures, he didn't make any money because not only did he have 94% federal, he had 6% state income tax for California. So he literally was doing it for free. If he did it after, if he, if he made more than two pictures,
1: that's crazy.
0: And, and so we look back to the seventies and you know, we were at 70% top, 200,000, top tax bracket. So I agree with you, taxes have to go up. So that means if I'm 20 or 30 and sometimes, um, you know, I'm 53, I don't know how old uh, you are, Mike. Um, 54. 54. Okay, I'll be 54 in June. So, um, you know, back in the 70s, with that high tax bracket, if you think of if we were 20, if our 20s again, right? If we could do it all over again, I would be getting my, as much money as I could off of the tax, uh, uh, off the IRS's radar as I, as I could, because taxes are on sale right now. At 37% maximum, it's, it's on sale. So taxes are definitely going up, which means your qualified plan, you're going to be taxed at a higher rate down the road more than likely than you are now. Absolutely. So, yeah,
1: I, I, I totally agree with that. i I, I think it's inevitable. I mean, it's funny, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a middle-of-the-road politics guy. Yep. I just try to make money. I try to avoid the noise as much as possible. But, you know, the deficit is getting out of control. It used to be, you know, an issue for the Republicans, you know, when Obama was in, and now they're just blowing the doors off it, and Democrats sort of always have. So eventually that's going to be a problem, which means they're going to have to raise taxes. You know, this AOC or whatever name, this young freshman congresswoman's talking top rate, you know, people are scoffing at that right now, but I could easily see the top rate going back to 50. Uh,
0: You know, you you and I are right in step because that's exactly the number that I would say is going to be the compromise. And then it's a matter of where is it? Is it at 700,000? Is it a million? You know, where is that number? And obviously um, people like AOC are going to want that number lower and other people are going to want that number higher um but you know when we look at the cash flow quadrant and how to get our income coming in on the right side of the quadrant and for for somebody out there that doesn't know the cash flow quadrant do yourself a favor google it read um uh robert kiyosaki's book the cash flow quadrant and understand this this is this is necessary reading um we have to get over there in that i quadrant well how do we do that And that's where I think your path, you know, tell us about your kind of your path for real estate, and then we'll get into the mobile home parks and why you like that sector better than than other sectors.
1: Sure. So you know, what really changed my life was Rich Dad Poor Dad. I read it in the in the early two thousands, and I'd never really understood the concepts. Primarily, talks about passive investing, you know, making money while you sleep, and also depreciation, which is really phantom tax deduction. tax deferral, I should say, over a period of time. And I didn't know those concept, concepts. And I really liked that. Again, I was in the financial planning business at the time, it was okay. But you had to work really hard for your money. And you put in a lot of hours. And there's a lot of demands, especially when the market started going up and down. So I just started small. And that's what I tell people to do. I bought an eight, eight unit apartment building up in Wisconsin, it was 300 grand. Um, You know, and I had a younger guy that was an associate of mine said, hey, I'll manage it. You put up all the money, you run the thing, and I'll go manage it and let's see how it works. And so that one eight eight family, which we owned it about a year, um, we made a couple grand on it maybe, and it cash flowed every month, but you learn the business. You Mm -hmm. learn the headaches of, you know, what needs to be fixed, the roof, air conditioner, whatever, the headaches of the, the tenants, some are good, some are bad, whatever it may be but I really like the tax breaks on it. And when you start looking at making money while you're not doing anything, passive income, that's fantastic. And then depreciation, when actually in actuality, any asset you have in real estate historically is appreciated. You get to take a phantom deduction as if it's depreciating. And so rarely do you have to pay any tax until you sell, um, your property. So you should be able to defer it. So, we started out in the apartment business and we bought a couple things in Wisconsin, liked it, but said, if we're going to get in this full time, we got to go to Florida. This was like 2002, 2003. That's where the action was. That's where everything was happening. And so, you know, we uprooted our families and moved to Florida in uh, early 2003 and did the apartment buildings. We bought, you know, anywhere from 60 to 120 unit buildings that were sort of distressed fixed them up, and then either put them on long-term financing or sold them. And that, by starting small, I was able to get a little bit bigger. And I think back then I maybe had, you know, four or 500 units at the peak. Um, it was great. Um, but now I look where I'm at now with the mobile home parks and, you know, got 10 times that amount. It's it's just a journey. You know, you start small, whether it's be one rental house, see if you like it, see if you like the, the whole concept. And then, in my opinion, what, what the biggest mistake real estate investors make right now is they don't think bigger. I should have thought, thought bigger earlier and raised money, which we can talk about. That's a whole other concept. Um, but if you learn how to raise money the right way, legally, and everything else like that, the demand for people to get out of the stock market is so big, they're looking for alternatives and they're looking for people to do it. And real estate's the perfect vehicle.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree with everything that you that you just said is in uh, what part of Florida were you in? Orlando. Orlando. Nice. That's a, that was a great place to be at that time. Um, I tell people between 2009 and 2011, we bought a lot of real estate in Southwest Florida. Just uh, that's where we live part of the time. Yep. And, um, and literally, sold stuff 10, 11 months later um, and, and maybe going against uh, Kiyosaki a little bit and killing the goose that's laying the golden eggs. But it's hard when you, you buy something for a hundred and somebody wants to sell, buy it. Uh, you, you buy something for a and 10 months later, somebody wants to buy it for 200. Yep. You, you know, it's pretty tough to just say, no, I'm not interested. I mean, it's cash flowing, but, yep. it, but okay, let me roll that into a bigger deal back to your point. One of my favorite books is The Magic of Thinking Big by David Schwartz. And, yep, great um, And uh, you know, um, yeah, I'm sure that, and, and obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I can't say enough about Kiyosaki and his books. And, uh, you know, Second Chance is one of my favorites. And uh, um, Why the Rich are Getting Richer. Um, yep. Just all of those books. Everybody should be reading those books. And it, that comes down to, you know, Mike, we tell people the reason people don't get into real estate or something else is they hear the noise of, well, I don't want want to uh, replace toilets and I don't want to paint walls. And uh, I tell them, you know, I have properties I've never seen. I have property managers I've never met and and that just do a good job and the check just shows up. But what do you have to know to get out of that reassuring lie line, which is the Wall Street line, to get in And, and you said start small. But, you know, do you, do you, would, would you, what, what book would you read or, you know, what, is there any real estate classes out there that you'd recommend or is there anything that your group
1: does? Um, yeah, obviously, you know, um, you know, going back to the late 90s when I first started to get interested in real estate and then early 2000s with Kiyosaki, I didn't have podcasts, you know, we didn't have all this stuff, everything's so available on the internet back then you'd have to go to Barnes and Noble and read, you know, how to be a good multifamily manager and all these books that are more technical, but good. And then you saw a lot of it. And for me, I started apartments because I didn't even know what a mobile home park was right. that in a second. But I think it's just getting as much knowledge, you know, listening to podcasts like yours, uh, going to these conferences. I was a conference junkie. I just wanted to learn because you're never taught that in school nobody's gonna sit down and really mentor you on that. There's very few people that do it well. And so you just gotta keep going. And I, I find no matter what podcast, no matter what conference, you always get one or two things that make a big difference in your life. Um, and that, so that's what I encourage people, education, education. And you're gonna to have to do it on your own because you're not gonna get it from somebody else. Learn as much as you can. One of the, the programs that I would strongly recommend, it's called valuehoundacademy.com is the website. And Craig has a um, a program on how to raise money. Hmm. And that's where if you're going to get bigger in this business and you're going to take opportunities, you did an awesome thing after the recession of 08. You know, that's when the opportunities were. And right. I, I did the same thing. I was able to do it in in mobile home parks. but you know, there's another recession coming at some stage here. I, you know, if it's this year, next year, whatever, who knows how bad it's going to be. Debt's at an all time high again. You just don't know what's going to trigger it or how it's going to happen, but it's coming and really. We need a recession to prices have gotten way too high again. It feels like Oh seven to me all over again. Um, people are, you know, there's a lot of money chasing too few deals chasing yield. So if you can get prepared now, get as educated as you, you can possibly be, and then be ready to go. And especially if you have some money available for you, that makes it even better and allows you to get bigger quicker.
0: You know, I love what you just said there too, is because sometimes people jump into things and timing is everything. So I, I'm 100% with you that there's a recession coming sooner rather than later and in the next few years. And I think it's gonna be bigger than the than the than the 2008 because of where we are as a, as a country, but- oh you know in when that when opportunities come up cash is king yep. and it's in you know we we've talked a little bit about um infinite banking and having this money pool that you can deploy and go out and invest in things like mobile home parks and real estate etc but um you know so you got to have the cash ready and if all your money's in wall street and you're going to and and your money's going to be uh impacted well then you don't you can't take the money out of Wall Street, especially when it's down, and then go put it into a different sector where there's opportunity. Um, so, you know, when, when, when I think of that, I think of, I think that's perfect. Educate yourself now, be ready to take action. And, and the reason people don't do that is um, Bertrand Russell, he has a famous quote of 85% of the people would rather die than think.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's a great quote, actually, but very true. And I, I think the number is higher than that, to be honest with you. But
0: I, I think you're right. I think, you know, Thomas Edison said 5% of people think 10% think they think and and 85% would rather die than think. So he kind of he kind of put a twist on it. But, you know, when you when you when you think about that, what are some of the fears that you see when people say, well, Mike, okay, yeah, you did it. Um, but man, you know, I've I, I don't know, I don't know if I could do it, or they don't have the confidence or they you know what advice i mean other than you and you gave some great advice, which is kind of take action right yeah but um is if I were going to where do I look for a mobile home park opportunity
1: um, well, let me take a step back for talking yeah. about taking action really yeah. when you're taking action, I always look at it i I'm a sports guy, so played a lot of sports and and a big sports guy now but It's really about prepping for the game. You know, you do all your preparation and you practice by reading the book and going and talking to people. And like here in Raleigh, North Carolina, where I live now, we have the, you know, Triangle Apartment Association, where I went to those meetings just to try to get a feel for what people were doing. I did it back in Orlando, too. So get your preparation, which allows you to make taking action a lot better. And if you sort of start small initially, it's hard to make a big mistake. And the one right. thing I would tell people, and I've migrated to this over time in real estate investing, is stick to the bigger metros. You typically want to be, you know, 20 minutes outside of the metro, just where it's growing out to that. You don't want to be in a one-person town or, you know, one company town out in the middle of nowhere. That's, that's where you could make a mistake if that company leaves. I I, I made that mistake early right. on. I was lucky to get out of it. But if you stick to the major metros, Tampa, Orlando... Uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, whatever it is, wherever you're located, it's really hard to go wrong now. I think that the uh, move to the cities is going to continue to be big. And the younger people, it's still renter nation, even though home ownership's ticking up a little bit. They just don't have any money. So if you start in that area and just take the plunge and try to buy something small and get your feet wet and then get ready to raise some money. Now, what you're saying is, you know, where do you find a mobile home park, stuff like that, they got websites, mobilehomeparkstore.com, which is good. LoopNet's still around. I tend to use brokers because that's all they do is call all day and it's not that big a business. Um, but I just, I just think you have to really understand what niche you're going to go with and be willing to change. Because the mm-hmm. one thing I've changed like five times in my career with no intention of doing that, but you can't sit and do the same old thing. Like you say, buy and hold, buy and hold that may have worked in the 60s and the 70s and Warren Buffett's time and whatever but i just you know you're going to be lucky to get 5 to 7% you know taking a lot of downside risk in the market where i think real estate leads steadier type of things and then you get really prepared for that post recession time like you made a bunch of money 09 to 11 i did as well those are i mean everyone says, Hey, Mike, you did so great in those period of times. And I said, I should have bought everything I possibly could looking back on it now, but you just didn't know. But, um, uh, so th- that's sort of some of the things that you can do just to get ready now is the time and be ready to pull the trigger. And especially again, raise some money. You know, I, I can't stress how m- you going back to your 85%. Um, Most people don't want to do it themselves. Even if it's investing in single family homes or whatever, they just don't want to do it. They've made their money for wherever. And if you give them an eight to 10% return with a little upside, you'll get as much money as you possibly can imagine.
0: Right. No, you know, that's a great point. And I like what you said about it too, is how to do it legally, how to do it right. And, and learn what are some of the pitfalls that you, you don't want to get into there. But, um, you know, when, um, you know, along the way, somebody had to give you some really good advice. Obviously, you're you've you've been a winner for a long time. I mean, you went to law school. You've you've moved around and not been afraid. You know, so you're ob- obviously have the confidence that hey, I, whatever thing I choose, I'm going to be successful in. And in the magic of thinking big, he says, action cures fear. Right. So whatever fear you have, is just go do it. Go buy something and learn from yep. it. But what what was some Uh, what was like the best advice anybody ever gave you in business or that helped you the most?
1: I would, I would think, you know, besides Kiyosaki where I learned a ton just about real estate, I think the biggest thing that, that you're stating and that everyone really needs to think is you have to take action. Every, you know, I go to these conferences and I listen to these podcasts and 99% of the people will go listen to the next podcast. and will never do anything about it. It's that fear factor that you're talking about. And for whatever reason, my dad was a corporate guy his whole life. So I sort of started out that way, and I was miserable. And I just, I did okay because I could fake it for a while, but I knew it just wasn't me. And what I would tell people is you have to, at some point in time, if you really want to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to burn the bridge. You're not going back. And no matter what it takes, you set up your lifestyle so it's a lot less. Uh, When I moved from Wisconsin to Florida, I took a hit in income, you know, initially. And obviously, it's, it's going way beyond that at this stage again. But I was ready to cut back the lifestyle a little bit, really buckle down, learn this real estate business, um, take some action, not be afraid and plow most of my money instead of, you know, buying Mercedes and stuff like that, you know, plow, plow it into real estate and really get it going. And timing happened to be right, you know, in early 2000s, it's, you know, the prices went up a lot higher than we thought they were going to go. But Um, you know, that's part of learning the market too, a little bit. I mean, sometimes it's better to be more, you know, to be lucky than good, but if you're preparing and you're doing the right things and you're in the game, then, which means taking action, then you have the opportunity to take advantage of that downturn.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that's, that's, uh, makes so much sense. Um, it's sometimes as simple as that is the people that are successful, um you know the the common denominator of success is that successful people do things unsuccessful people either can't or won't do and um you know I, I, that's from albert gray a little pamphlet that's 100 years old or something but um it's in if you think about that it's it's taking chances but you know it's kind of like if you jump into the river you're not going to let yourself drown yep. you're you know you might struggle but you're not going to let yourself drown. But the people that stand on the sidelines and never jump into the river, well, they're never going to get to the other side. They're never going to get to what they want. And I mean, I don't think you want to look back on your life and think, hey, I never gave it everything I've got, you know? Um, So, you, you know, when you think of, remember financial services back in those days, we would sit down with somebody and they would make some guesses about where their income was going. And, and we would make some guesses about the market and how, uh, you know, how much money they were going to need, you know, 75% or 70% of their pre-retirement income and post-retirement. We'd make all these guesses and then we'd hope together, right? And we like to say hope isn't a strategy. (laughs) And, and uh, somebody would climb the mountain, you know, that's uh, accumulation Yep. And then they would say, okay, now what do I do, Mike, to distribute my money and not run out of money uh, as long as I live? Yep. And, and, you know, when you, when, you, when you break away from that and you're in real estate or something is, I don't think that you, you, you don't ever think to yourself, do you, that, hey, um, at some point in time, I'm just going to have all my money um, sitting in some account that I'm going to live off for the rest of my life. I mean, I have assets that are providing passive income, why would I ever do that? So yeah. I keep ascending instead of descending or distributing my wealth.
1: Absolutely, I think you're right. And you know, thinking back to the days of the financial planner, we didn't know what that number was, you know? And so some planners were pushing eight, you could take out 8% a year, right. which is yeah. way too high looking back on it. Now they're down to 4% or 3% and you have to adjust it. You just don't know. And to me, that would seem like a lot of stress. That yeah see that number going down all the time and doing that. Whereas, you know, real estate, as I've told my kids too, um, you know, I'm never going to retire. I I just, I enjoy what I do. I don't have to work that hard right now because I did a lot of stuff in the early years. And, you know, for me to work 25, 30 hours a week doing something you love, looking for the next deal or whatever, you know, you're going to keep that up. And again, going back to the tax rules, the way they are now, real estate gets a stepped up basis upon my death. So it's the best gift you can give to your kids because yep. if they want to sell it, they can go ahead and sell it. I really don't care, you know, whatever they want to do. Um, but at least I get that stepped up basis so they don't have all the capital gains tax. And obviously, you know, you go into the state planning issue too. It's, you know, you got to, I have that issue, unfortunately, um, I have a net worth over $11 million now, which is the federal limit. Um, you know, you got to sort of plan some of those ways around. So I have my kids involved in the business. They got some ownership you know, there's different things you can do. And again, I'm not a huge Trump fan, but the provisions that he put in that new tax law that benefit real estate, which is his business. right? So, you know, that bonus depreciation and some of these other things that are almost unfair, but you know, it's sort of what the business is.
0: Yeah, you know, something you said just there is, you know, retirement. And um, our good friend Nelson Nash, he says, you know, he he says, what's the definition of retirement? What's well, to take out a service? And you know, uh, you've lived in Florida. I live in Florida part of the time. And you see these retired people down there that are either on pensions or 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 maybe they're stressed. But when you're worried about running out of money and you're worried about making sure you're going to dinner at four o'clock so that you can get the early bird special, that's not that's not what I envision and. And, um, uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday, uh, about an architect, an architectural firm that the, the two partners are 80 years old yep. and they still are doing it. Cause that's what they love to do. Yep. I mean, um, if we were professional golfers, we'd never want to retire. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I feel the same way. Retirement is not the goal. Financial yeah. independence is what we coach people to have. And, and we say more passive income than your ideal standard of living. Correct. And that's in, you know, not just what you're making now or what you think you're gonna be making five years from now, but your ideal standard of living. And that's, that's a realistic goal. It's just, again, just like you said, you got to start and you got to get going.
1: And so obviously, obviously the sooner you start, the better too. I mean, absolutely. With compounding and everything like that. I mean, I really didn't get into business until I was 36, 37 real estate wise, I wish I would have done it when I was 22. You know,
0: I yep. just you know. yeah. You know, and and I and I agree. I agree with you, Mike. Is there's things that you've learned along the way that yeah? I, I wish I wouldn't have spent 15 years in the financial services industry trying to get assets under management and thinking that was the the easy street for me yep. and my clients were gonna. The market was always going to go up and my clients would be great. But you know, um, you know, when you run into people that are like in their 50s and their 60s. And, and I show them examples, a good friend of ours, Todd Fleming, who was 20, he's 31 now, he's 25, and he had $25 in his, uh, in his checking account, and, um, and he, and sitting at his cubicle, he decided to get into real estate, and now Todd is very successful, um, uh, doesn't have those issues at 31 years old, so in six years, he really made some huge uh, uh, improvements. And so, you know, I think that, that even guys in their, you know, old guys like us in our 50s, I, I say that with a smile, and, you know, guys that are in their 60s, they, you, know, you can do that. You can still get into real estate, and you can still leverage your life experiences to help become successful faster.
1: Yeah, and again, those are the type of people that are looking for guys like me. if They want to invest with me. And again, there's a bunch of other people out there that are doing the same thing. And Again, eight to 10%, pretty much tax deferred with some upside benefits versus the market where you just don't know where you're gonna be. Um, You just don't know. And going back to a story I wrote in my book uh, called Unconventional Wealth, which is available on Amazon. um, I I had a, a small financial planning client back in the day. And he had like a small IRA with me. And he'd come in once a year and we'd talk about it. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, he worked at the local mill, which is big in Wisconsin you know probably making 40 grand a year at the most uh, working hard and I get people like that who want to retire cuz that that's, that's a tough job you know it's things like that but he was buying single family houses he was buying beat down houses he was fixing them up he was somewhat handy and then he was renting them out and his goal was to get 10 houses and and once he had that 10 he figured by the time he was be 45 or 50 he was going to quit because he'd be making more money with those 10 houses that's only 10 single family houses than he was making at the mill, and he eventually got there. And he just didn't like the real, or he didn't like the market. He always went real estate, and I always remembered that guy when I started moving to real estate. I'm like, damn, I, I never thought he was that bright. Oh, you're missing out in the '90s and blah blah blah. And he was a smart one all the way along because he's got that steady income going. You know, those ten houses. Imagine what those ten houses are worth today. Right. That he had, and you know, the renters. You know, you, they're always rented and things like that. And he was able to get out and that's really, you don't need to have, you know, 35 mobile home parks like I have, you need, you know, six to 10 houses as a nice source of income and you, you know well that you can invest through your IRA, you know, through yeah. equity trust and some of these self-directed IRAs. So there's ways to do it even if you want to do it on your own. Again, being a part-time landlord is not easy and I would not recommend it for people who have full-time busy jobs because it's difficult. You're better off going with somebody else. But just to get that real estate exposure in your portfolio, I think is a must to be balanced out.
0: I agree. So, you know, uh, tell people the name of your book again. It's
1: called Unconventional Wealth.
0: Okay, which I love the name of that because as you know, it's this is an uh, un- unconventional strategies of the rebellious and the un- unconventional. So we, we are right there with you. Um, I would encourage everybody to read that book. If they're interested in, you know, let's say that, we have a lot of uh, clients that are doctors and and business owners and they're looking to invest in things and maybe they've got some money sitting on the sidelines or sitting in wall street in non-qualified accounts. Um, If they wanted to invest, are you bringing on any new investors? Is there, is there a website that they could go to and learn about the opportunities with your firm or?
1: Um, You know, I, I, I've been very selective about investors. I just, I, I, it's I have about twelve to thirteen investors right now. I know every one of them. I've known them for a while. You know, I like to sit down with people before I invest with them, you know, go through everything so they really understand what we're doing and how it is. Um so occasionally, yes. Um, you know, I've gotten some one of my best investors is a lady who took a company public in San Francisco and her and her husband have been with me for years and have, you know, kept building up their investment. So occasionally I will do that. And if you want to look at our website, it's acgmhc.com. Um, you can learn more about us. You can, you can email me. I can, you know, open a dialogue. I could, if, if you don't fit with me, I can steer you another direction and say, Hey, I know these guys are good. These guys are worth looking at that type of thing. So awesome. there's, there's different ways to do it.
0: All right. That's awesome. And, you know, Mike, I appreciate your, your time and uh, um, I probably could talk about this all day long. So at, at some point in time, though, the 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 podcast audience probably uh, uh, is ready for it to end. But before I wrap it up, you know, you, you mentioned, I always like to ask somebody, what's the one book that you think everybody should read? And I know outside of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, because I think we can agree on that. But is there a book right now that's out or a book that you've re- read recently that you would recommend to everyone?
1: You know, I, I haven't read a lot of the books lately because, you know, most of them are just, you know, you're talking about books that are 100 years old. Yeah. You know, a lot of it's just rehashing the same ideas that have been out there. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan. He's, he's into the stock market. I'm not, I you know, I like some of his, you know, just general fundamentals. But I still think Kiyosaki's the leader in everything that he's doing because it's just a very simple concept that yeah. he, did, and he sort of lived his life that way too. He did the apartment thing. That's how I got in the apartment thing because that's what he did. So yeah. I figured that was the way to go. And just one quick thing, you know, the reason why people ask me, why did I switch from apartments to mobile home parks? Yeah. And I never go back. It's mobile home parks, it's a supply demand issue. There hasn't really been a new mobile home park built in this country in 20 years.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: and the demand for affordable housing is through the roof in every big city. So, you know, there's nowhere for people who make 8 to $14 an hour to live anymore. And that's where mobile home parks come in. And again, what we were talking about a little bit earlier, you can't be a slumlord in this business, whether it's single family homes or whatever. You got to have nice properties and you got to treat your your residents with respect. You got to be firm, but fair. You know, you don't want them to run all over you and do all these things and they have to pay rent. It's not a charity. So they get evicted if they don't pay rent. But you want to do things. We do you know, twice a year we do festivals for them and we, you know, try to do, you know, Christmas and Easter and things like that. You try to make them part of the community and why I, and not not only the demand issue is there's in apartment complexes, it's 40 to 50% turnover by nature. Temporary place to live, you buy a house, you move, whatever. In in our business last year, I think our turnover ratio was 9%. Wow. Because people stay there, they get a sense of community and they stay there. And if you can foster that community and make it a safe place to live, that's what you want. And that makes you money. The less turnover, the more money you make.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, I, I love that, that I love the way that you ended that. And that's a great way to end the podcast because treating people with respect and pr- providing, um, affordable housing. And, and, you know, my next door neighbor is 75, 80 years old. And he, um, And he's done that in Sioux City, Iowa. And and some people have said, well, I bet he has run down properties. And he doesn't. He's, you know, I mean, and by the way, this guy's so much more financially secure having those properties than and and I've talked to some, he has some of his workers come and work on around the house um, that run the properties. And these guys take pride in what they do and, and uh, it's doing things the right way. Yep. And, and you can still make a lot of money doing things the right way and providing value to people. And, you know, Mike, I've, uh, thank you so much for your time and, and sharing your wisdom and expertise. Um, really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Until next time that's uh, breakaway wealth podcast and, uh, I'm Jim Oliver and our, uh, thanks again to our great. Uh, guest, Mike Conlin, Thanks a lot, guys. We'll see you next time. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.